you for tuning into The Bold Platform. My name is Adrian, and I am the creator and host. Um, the Bold Platform is a podcast um, about women and girls of Australia who are working on really great projects in their community and trying to leave their community a little bit better than how they found it. So all um, the guests on the show are women of various ages that have or are still continuing to work on a community-focused project. So today I am joined by Lara and Elise from Social Good Outpost. We are all sitting together in a beautifully, brightly um, decorated, what looks to be like a kid's reading room in Hornsby Library. So thank you ladies for braving the weather and coming out to meet me today. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you. So tell me about your business. Tell me how it got started and, and what it is. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Lisa. I'll, I'll maybe kick us off. Yeah. Um, so the Social Good Outpost is a creative design agency. We're a social enterprise. We uh, create a lot of web and graphic designs predominantly for, um, I guess, the social impact communities. So we work with a lot of non-profits, social enterprises, women-led business, um, women-led organisations. Mm-hmm. And we have kind of built in this um, feminist approach to design where we really believe in the empowerment of women um, and, and using design as a means to do that. So for every 10 hours of full-cost design we provide, we support one hour of pro bono or low-cost design. It typically goes to um, fledgling women's or LGBTIQ uh, organisations. Okay. Um, So there's like a pay it forward type element, right? So in terms of that one hour for a full paying customer or client, you sort of pay one hour forward either for free or at a lower cost for someone that's kind of getting up off the ground. Yeah. Uh, We try to um, support organisations that need this help, this design help to get them to the next step because design looking credible is so important to get funding. And um, once they've got funding, they can go further. So we try and do this great minimum amount of work for very low cost so that they can get the next step and go forwards. Okay. Mm. And so, f- sorry for not having mentioned this, you are sisters. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, not twins. No. <laughs> sisters. Six years difference. Six years difference. Okay. And so how did this get started like how did you come up with this idea so I um Lara I had a business called the grazing elk and I had that um for maybe four years uh, before we started this one and that was graphic and web design for creative people and businesses and then Elise had been working uh, through university doing work in the social impact sphere and a lot of work with um mentors in violence prevention and um, domestic violence um, prevention and mental health, first aid kind of things. And so she came in, it it became a bit of a natural fit for her to lend her um, her social enterprise experience to the design sector. And I was feeling a bit burnt out because I was doing a lot of the same project over and over and over Mm -hmm. and it was very low scope. So... um, actually focusing on these women's organizations and these community groups that I was a member of myself okay I could see where the um impact was and I was passionate about helping these people because I knew how much they needed it and I really enjoyed it so we took my design skills Elisa's social enterprise and social impact um background and knowledge and networks and we got started 
one of our first clients was a domestic violence workaware program in Queens. Uh, it's national. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you decided that there was some merit in combining your areas of expertise and bringing those together to support some of these communities uh, and um, female-led businesses. You mentioned before about funding. So you're talking government funding and grants. So for them to be able to review an application of a business and say, oh, yeah, I can see you've got your your website, we can see who you are and what you do. Has that? Do you find that that's a barrier for a lot of your clients if they don't have that online presence to sort of prove that, mm. you know, we mentioned earlier before we started recording, it's not just a, a backyard thing, like it's mm. an actual running business? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, because I've come from the research sector to uh, where I've done a lot of work on gender equality and, mm. you know, kind of women's procurement and the rest. And it's actually incredible. Globally, I think only 5% of uh, public, so government procurement, goes to women-led business. So only 5%. Um, it, when you jump to Australia, I think it's around 4.5% of private or corporate procurement goes to women-led business. This is really quite um, unacceptable and I think that the statistic is globally um, women-led or women-owned enterprise is underfunded to the tune of 1.5 trillion dollars. Um, I don't know if you've paid much attention you know going around town or anything but often you'll come across a non-profit organization mm. or you know someone who's doing a lot of good in the community but their designs look like they haven't been updated since mm. the 90s you know yeah. and it's or they it, just don't have well, it that's they exactly just don't have it. A an online presence or a that's website right. or they just don't have anything absolutely and and we found that that's one of the biggest um barriers actually and mm. uh the asx did a report basically which found that um Good design could increase your profitability by up to or just over 200%. You know, this is substantial improvement. Massive. So we thought, okay, well, if we can focus on these communities um, and kind of be unashamed about the fact that we really want to support women, you know, we really bring this feminist approach, um, then we can make a lot of impact because I think that, you know, we know that, you know, women uh, don't get equal opportunities in mm. society. We know that women business owners or women, you know, non-profits, mm -hmm. frequently issues of domestic violence or other topics are underfunded not funded um you know uh, they, they have no one wants to talk about it because it's awkward or it makes them uncomfortable for a minute yeah that's right and so we thought okay well if we're going to make impact anywhere this is a really obvious place that we can make impact and um you know we've seen that firsthand you could be a you know an organization um, that does a lot of really great stuff on the ground, but without being able to communicate that impact, talk to your funders, um, demonstrate what it is that you do, actually it's very difficult to get support. And, and I think that that's what, um, yeah, a lot of organisations could could use a really big boost. Yeah. Okay. I want to come back um, and talk about some of the actual businesses that you've worked on, whether they've been, you know, the full paying in air quotes or, or the beneficiaries of some of those. But let's go back to... So you had this idea, you thought, yes, let's do it. Yeah. Then what? You built your own <laughs> built your own website <laughs> to get your own presence. How did you decide like how it would work, who you would target, what roles you would both do? Obviously your yeah. family, but you've now become business partners. Yes. We so we were talking about this um, in a few days leading up to now because we wanted to really remember what it is yeah. that had happened. Yeah. And we realised we started, the idea basically started mid-2016, so that's almost three years ago mm. now. Um, 
And to begin with, we made one extra page on my the Grazing Elk website and we called it Social Good Outpost by the Grazing Elk because we didn't want to register a business name and do all this stuff before we'd just tested the idea. So we did a simple logo. Um, we spent all of a few hours just, just doing a simple logo, picking some stock images and doing a nice layout, mm -hmm. just trying to tell our story. Um, so we started there and I think Elise had been running a lot of the DV domestic violence prevention workshops and in the early days our first clients were in that area um yeah, yeah. Well, I think that it was it was a little bit, um, as Lara said, you know, we, we wanted to kind of pilot the idea and test it first. Um, basically, you know, I had six months between just finishing university and I wanted to start my PhD. So we, we, we had set, set up this website and really to start with, you know, we got these this very first client in the DV sector and we started doing it. But really it was on Lara, I think, to hold everything together mm -hmm. from that end. Um, we basically just started really, really small, did a few websites, did a few things. We started to get a little bit more momentum. Um, Lara's obviously the qualified designer in sure. that way. She's got, you know, over 12 years experience working in the sector already. Mm -hmm. I've always been creative and obviously growing up together um, and Lara's the older sister. So um, I've been able to see what she was doing and I did a lot of photography myself. So sure. I figured I could bring some of those creative elements. Mm. But for the most part, I knew that what was my strength was my networks. So Your connections, right. That's right. So I'd go out and I'd talk to people about what we're doing. Um, it was great, actually. You know, I, I wouldn't have to do too much in terms of I could have a cup of coffee with someone and, you know, mention offhand, oh, you know, we do this, we create websites and, and the rest. And generally it would lead to some sort of lead, which was actually quite exciting and empowering. Mm. So, you know, Lara is the creative director and my title if I've got one is director of social impact mm. but in reality you know I think I do everything from kind of uh, lead generation to client liaison yep. I do a bit of um, web design myself too um, it's a little bit of you know that strategy and moving forwards and and fortunately we've got Lara who's our real design expert yeah and and we also work with a small team of um, associates or contractors now okay to, to so kind of pull it together specialists in different areas that you'll pull into projects as That's right. you need and I can only imagine that then that allows you to keep your business running a lot leaner by not having employees and although having that kind of flexible yeah. workforce as opposed to a office full and a team totally. of people where you're trying to pay everyone's wages and yeah. waking well, up in the middle of the night wondering that's how, it. how it's all no, going to work. That's it. And, and I think that that's a really important point too actually because, um, you know, we being young feminists ourselves, I suppose we recognise that a lot of the traditional forms of work aren't really built around women. Yep. You know, they're not really built to accommodate mm. our diverse lives and needs and, and wants. And mm. so, um, you know, both of us are really, we're quite free spirits. We like the opportunity to, um, you know, have flexible working arrangements, um, you know, to be able to take our work on the road and travel, mm. um, you know, all of these things that wouldn't be possible in, in kind of standard businesses. And so, totally. you know, many times we've had people come up to us and say, okay, you're thinking of scaling up and, you know, uh, there's some investment here, are you interested? And, and we always think about it, but um, one of the beauties of saying kind of small and with a small team, and is that we're able to be flexible and and 
adaptable and kind of swing around and work on cool projects over here that are a little bit out of the way. Yeah. Um, and, and we don't have to have all of that, I guess, infrastructure that goes into, um, you know. Running a huge team yeah. and offices and, Absolutely. and all of that. Yeah. And, and that takes away, I think, from the impact that we would be able to make too because we've got very our, – our clients are very personalised. You know, mm. we've got real relationships with them. Um, they, it isn't a, you know, a transactional exchange, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. When you think back over the last sort of almost three years, what have been um, not the hurdles but some of the bits where you may have thought, look, you know, is this really what we want to be doing or do we kind of want to go back to just our own things that we were doing before? Have there been, have there been moments like that? Um, nothing comes to mind for me that, was telling me to stop because it was so much more engaging than my previous work Mm -hmm. and uh, it all felt so meaningful and it was stuff that I wanted to do. So as long as I could pay bills and that was, uh, if anything, just making sure we asked for the right amount of money was the biggest thing we needed to do. So um, that was the only hurdle and it wasn't a hurdle that meant that I wanted to stop. It was just something that meant I needed to um, get – actually, I got a lease to set my prices. I had mm-hmm. to have a boss tell me, this is the price. Um, Good. You know, yeah. setting your own price is hard. So if we got somebody one step away from the business – and at the time, Elise wasn't my legally business partner. So yes. it was like she she was able to objectively, more objectively set prices. Mm-hmm. So. That was a big hurdle. Um, and I can imagine if you're working with businesses where you know they don't have a lot of money and you have obviously good hearts yeah. so you don't want to be taking all this money that you know but you, you can't do it for free. You have bills, yeah. you have things that you need to pay for and finding that balance between yeah. meeting your needs but knowing they don't have, you know, yeah. and empty being, checks to write you for websites mm, and design work. Being practical, uh, you can do a lot on a achievable budget and these organizations often have or had more um, appreciation and value for our work than small businesses because small businesses were very much about making money hitting the metrics how many shares how many visits how many yeah and so that was that that um I found that less inspiring than being able to see these women's organizations they're used to being undervalued but they value us um, and we value them and uh so they were like, yes, they might not have known much about website design, but they knew that we were working for eight weeks for them. Mm. And so they really did value things. And as much as possible, they would just pay us um, what they could and or we would negotiate the scope. Yeah. Yeah, right. So earlier we mentioned about some of the projects that you've been working on. I'd be interested to hear for both of you, you know, potentially as individuals, what have been some of the projects that you kind of went, you know what, if it all finishes tomorrow, that I'm so stoked that we we worked on that or we did that. And then it may be the same project, may be different. I'd love to mm. hear, I guess, some of those real highlight projects. It might be <laughs> might be hard to pick, you know, one or two. Um, my my favourite, my favourite one, because it was one of the early ones and because it was so relevant and wide-reaching was the one I mentioned, um, referred to earlier, also DV WorkAware. So it's a program primarily aimed, um, and the web, we made a website, but also did their branding logo, um, mm. collateral flyers, the whole um, lot, yeah. training templates, uh, contract 
templates. So that's a program for people who go to work, which is most people and people who are employees and employers to learn how to deal with anybody in the workplace who may be experiencing domestic violence, how to support them, what your rights are as an employee and as a boss, what you can do to help. Um, So I could immediately see how relevant that was and how underserved that was and really how nobody knows about it. Um, So that was really important to me. And I still help those people. And that was, we started that about three years ago and we're still in touch doing further work on the same thing and further work on the um, individual working women's centres that set it up. So that was Northern Territory, Queensland and South Australian working women's centres. So they were just, they still are beautiful clients and and we have really nice relationships with them. Um, What an important service. And to be able to provide yeah. workplaces, both the employees kind of going into the mm-hmm. workplace going, I don't know what I meant to say, but I just can't be here. And also yes. the, the leader of that person or the manager of that person to go, something's not right. And yeah. how do I even begin to approach this yeah. topic? It's a very so friendly. education needed around that. Very friendly reference place. And and then the other one is... Um, it's called Wavelength, and they're a medical education um, collective, I suppose, made up of students from Melbourne Uni and some other unis. Mm. Um, and they, um, this Wavelength refers to spectrum because it's for LGBTIQ people's health. And that's currently not included in medical students' uh, official university education. So really? nobody's taught how to deal with. Um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex or queer people's health. So you get doctors um, asking you horrible questions, being insensitive deliberately or accidentally, um, bringing up sex or gender when it's not about sex or gender and sometimes forgetting to just not knowing the intricacies because they haven't been trained. Yeah, again, it's a lack of education. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think in 2017, 2018, we did, we helped them make a pilot program website. All the students filmed their own content, wrote their own courses, got all of these beautiful videos done that are role plays of different scenarios. So it's a free resource. It's meant to be really open for all medical students or anybody who wants to, to go through it, even anonymously. You don't have to sign up. And... We are now in stage two of trying to get that into a national, a bigger, more stable website platform that can handle many thousands of people at once. Um, All national students are learning about all of these things Um, and also possibly rolling it out to actual medical professionals who might have to pay for the content perhaps or, um, mm. you know, to help support the program. So To supplement what yeah. they may have learnt on the yeah. job if they're already in, in yeah. the profession to yeah. supplement or just to fill in the gap, which it sounds like they yes. may have not had that yeah. during their education. For Wavelength, we're currently have been part of a fundraising program called Give Out Day, which is a program that runs in America, but it's the first time it's running in Australia. And what it is, is a fundraising platform for LGBTIQ people. And it's the only one of its sort that I know of, Mm -hmm. because not a lot of funding goes to these groups. And so we've been on their fundraising platform and hope to to have raised about $10,000 to allow that 
wavelength to grow into this second stage and wow. fully-fledged um, medical course and remain free for students to access. That's amazing. And the free is obviously Free key, is right? very because important you can for students. Further reach more yeah. and more and more. They're already probably on a, a tight-ish <laughs> budget as students. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And yeah. What, about, what about you, Elise? What are some projects that have sort of stood out for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one of the cool parts of this work or being able to do this work is that uh, over the last two years, um, we've been able to spend about six months on the road. Uh, actually, like physically, um, you know, we built a little tiny home on the back of yes. a box trailer Um drove around. Uh, we got everywhere apart from Western Australia. Basically, you know, because being a, I guess, a digital business, we're able to work from whatever location. Sure. It was really great to actually be able to tee up with the working women's centres in Darwin and also Adelaide um, and, and Alice Springs. So for our domestic violence work aware kind of um, program that we did. But then one of my favourite clients is one that's, it sounds a bit weird, it's a little bit left field, um, but it's called Brumby Week. And um, I don't know if you realise, but Australia's got the biggest population of wild horses or feral horses in the world. Um, and most of them are out in, you know, remote Northern Territory kind of uh, Alice Springs. And you won't hear about this too much because um, Kosciuszko obviously takes up a lot of our space. Um, but they cause, you know, substantial ecological damage. Um, there's a lot of environmental problems from, you know, the welfare of the animals themselves, mm. um, you know, eating out all of the um, grasslands and all of that so we don't have as many native animals, sort of degradation. Um, we've got really bad droughts in Australia, obviously, yeah. so uh, that's also quite a quite an issue. So um, basically there's this group, they work out in remote um, uh, western desert of the Northern Territory each year and they bring international and national guests, uh, you know, from all around the globe um, to the middle of the outback basically and take them through a week-long festival to, um, you know, they capture a few of the horses, they train them up to rideable, um, they auction them off to uh, have the funds go back to the local Indigenous community, they do wow. lots of biological, ecological talks. It's, it's, so, it's such a unique and interesting experience and one of the cool things that we really worked with them around it was all of their branding all of their promotional materials, um, you know, a, a great platform that they could use to um, sell their kind of registrations and reach national and international audiences. And in um, they've been running for three years now. Um, they've been able to get ABC News out each year, um, National Geographic flew out from, uh, I think, America. Um, you know, they've been able to hit some really big audiences yeah. and that's a really good example of, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's a small group of people. They don't necessarily, um, you know, the organisation doesn't necessarily exist outside of those people, yes. but with a website, with a presence, with yes. all of that, they've got credibility basically to, to start to make some really cool impact in this and space. And anyone can find them that's around it. the world as opposed to Absolutely. it being more of a word of mouth and obviously totally. the more rural or remote you get. That's right. Takes a little bit on the old, well, what that's they call it. the push telegraph. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I know. And it's it's very, you know, it's very, it's been great. So we've, we've gone out there uh, over the last two years to basically be there as they run it too because wow. that's quite a unique experience in itself. It would be and so it, rewarding. Yeah, and it, it really, it takes, um, you know, our work full circle. Um, we're not just, obviously for many projects, you know, we, we work with the clients, we give them the design that sure. they want and we move on. Sure. Um, but this was an opportunity to actually be there for what, what turned out to be a really cool event and something that um, I guess it, it shows that, you know, business 
you know, it doesn't have to be so transactional. Um, it can be really collaborative and interesting and, and you, I guess you can live your life in a way which um, complements all of this sort of mm. stuff and, and, and really fits together well. So And allows you to do both and not just being like absolutely. good thanks done project your website's <laughs> that's live, it your invoice next. <laughs> that's you know it. it's actually because you, you have a genuine interest yeah. totally in what the content on their website or on their business card or yeah. whatever it might be is that yeah. it, you do feel like well, we're not just going to walk away now we want to mm. see you where you go and how we can support you in the future definitely and because that's it I mean I think one of the great things that I've learned from business is that you can really gather a community around you you know and I think that you should like a lot of these big businesses they they can rest on their prestige or on their sure. name or their history for for many um I guess people starting up businesses and women starting up businesses you know it, it can be difficult it can be really tough it can be really quite tough. isolating um you know particularly if you work at home mm. um but by being out there and kind of putting yourself out there a little bit more yeah it's surprising just what um what you can get up to and yeah how much of a community you can create too and by getting out on the road and seeing all these people and meeting them what you can actually discover and uncover all these little pockets of the country where you would never otherwise have known them where we're sitting in our office or that's right you know in our a home office or whatever yeah. wherever we go to work every day yeah absolutely. you mentioned a few times around balance and um and being able to create, I guess, a, a, a week or a working week that works for you and all the different things that you want to achieve. What does that look like for the two of you in terms of making sure you're looking after yourselves so that, you know, you can go on these road trips and, and you know, meet these deadlines that, you know, they might often be quite condensed or, you know, you're trying to balance that. What do you two do as individuals to kind of look after yourself to make sure that you're giving the best that you can because I can imagine the projects that you work on it's not just a slap a website together and send an invoice there is a genuine care for the people and then the people that your clients Mm. are serving Mm. as well so I can imagine you put a lot of yourselves in Mm. into the project how do you look after yourself to so you can keep doing that yeah I think for myself, you know, um, because Lara and I, we, we have studios um, in Sydney and Brisbane, so we're based uh, both in our respective studios. So for me, it's um, not having to commute anywhere. Mm-hmm. That really looks after my health a lot, actually. Um, I find as soon as I've got to spend an hour in the car driving to an office and then back again in the afternoon, I mean, that's so much of your day and you don't really get that time to decompress um, or, you know, allow yourself the ability to live outside of your work mm-hmm. um so that's been really important um being outside a lot I think really building into your workspace or your working day time where you're not just sitting at the desk mm-hmm. or you're not just focused on that and um for me particularly um you know i I took on my PhD at the same time that we kind of started this business. Um, so, which is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about the wisdom of that, yeah. but. Um, you must have had a lot of coffee that day. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> Bit overambitious, but um, <laughs> anyway, it's been, it's been really good actually, because, you know, the PhD is a very intellectual thing. The business, it's really practical. It's very mm. tangible. You're creating all the time. You're meeting people all the time. So, 
for me, it's being able to do two or multiple very different things, which actually means that each time I do sit down then to work on social good outposts, I can be dedicated and concentrated and I can uh, smash out the work in a way that, you know, happens quickly or productively. Mm. Um, and I think uh, one of my favourite philosophers is um, Henry David Thoreau, and he talks about having uh, living with broad margins in your life. So, you know, don't clutter it up too much and, you know, simplify. There's so much um, wealth in life if, if we're able to kind of pare down to, well, what, what's important to us in a day? What's important to our kind of work satisfaction and our emotional and, and physical satisfaction and, mm. and really trying to be conscious of that. And, it, you know, it takes a bit of effort to be conscious of that. But, yeah, um, yeah I think probably Lara also helps keep, keep me in check there too. So having the two of us to, to work off each other and bounce off each other then um, is always a really good reminder there, yeah. What about you, Laura? Um, so I've worked for myself for, well, I would say 14 years. Mm-hmm. I might have been an employee for six months at a time, now and then, but not much. And when I have had experiences of being an employee, I've felt boxed in and I have no time even to wash my clothes and so I really really just don't like being an employee so it's that desire that really I want to do my own thing and look after my own day and have my own freedom that is much stronger than um, the discomfort over those years of not having the same income sure as an employed person and just just the desire to have that time so that I can go for a walk at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. or not start work till 11 a.m. and be walking and going for coffee. Or I've lived in a few places over the last few years and one of those was in the country, one of them in, in rural Victoria, one of them was Melbourne, now Sydney. Being able to have time to live in different places, take breaks throughout the day and go garden, um, have a bath, have a nap, very into just doing earthy stuff Mm -hmm. throughout the day. Um, Have time to make yourself lunch at home. And, but I, I am somebody who really thrives being working from home. Don't get over distracted. And I like being by myself. So Mm. it also really working for myself has really fulfilled all of that. Whereas offices got stifling and it was hard to, you know, I'd be walking back and forth to the tea room the whole day just for something to do. <laughs> just for movement and yeah. that kind of ticking that box yeah. for you. And, yeah. and I work quite fast. So what I can do is I can work in short, quick, intense kind of bursts okay. sometimes and then take a break and come back to it. And right now I'm almost working what you, somebody might um, think is just normal full-time hours. But to me the difference is... I'm choosing to start at 9 or at 10. Uh, nobody's looking when I come to the desk. I'm not checking the time and I'm finishing when I'm tired. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's just the choice, yeah. right? It's just yeah. to go, you know what, not every day at 9 o'clock does my brain start firing and yeah. not every day at 5 p.m. does it say, okay, that's enough now. Sometimes it doesn't stop till 10 and you can be like, cool, I'm going to ride this wave of energy and productivity till 10 o'clock because it's yeah. working. But the next day you might be like, oh, my gosh, it's lunch and I'm really still not feeling like 
buckling yeah. down at the desk. And unfortunately, because of our traditional workplaces, they don't really accommodate. No. Or that, really, do they? Yeah. Or if you are unwell, yeah. um, if, you, if you even get period pain once or twice a month, you don't even have enough sick days to cover that. Yeah. There's stuff like that that I think are, what Elise said earlier, very um, women-focused, we could say, issues, but workplace doesn't cover for that. Mm. And that's a, that's a medical issue and people have various medical issues sure. that work doesn't cover. But what do you do? Mm. Do you have an option of having that job do you Mm. get fired because you're sick Mm. um do you go to work I think most people I know of and have talked to in those situations go to work and suffer through it but Mm. I really didn't want to do that just growl at everybody that walks past (laughs) yes so it's true even just I was listening to a podcast the other day they're talking about school hours versus work hours and this is non-gender specific it's Mm. like if the kids go to school from here to here at what point did we think that 8.30 start and 5.30 finish in a workplace was good. Like it's just flawed in terms of the very basics of the kids need to be here, we need to be here, and there's no alignment between those start and finish times. And I was listening going, yes, but this is so obvious. Why have we not been talking about this for so much longer? And I'm sure in pockets there have been, but I was like, yeah, this is totally flawed, just just the basics of the hours where people have to be in different areas. Yeah. And we're both value being able to be set our own hours and I would like to go on to the go go travel and live in different places and move about more as well so perhaps that uh when I'm not driving and when when there's internet and when I'm not driving I can work but but when I'm exploring or Mm. when I'm out of range or when I'm driving the car around you know just to have people not knocking on the door is Mm. really really helps Yeah. yeah How do you make it work, working together but being in two different states? Like obviously time's not an issue but you do not see each other and you can't kind of go, right, let's just sit at the table and throw this all up on a whiteboard. How do you make that work, working remote remote in your own ways but remote from each other as well? Yes. We... Most days we have a phone call for about 15 minutes but just as it comes up. And we've always been very close, so we're always just chatting anyway. Sure. And our family chat, our friend chat and our business chat really bleed into each other. Right. But I don't think in an overwhelming way. Like we don't message each other at nighttime about a client, but um, we'll be messaging each other to say good morning and maybe talk about work, maybe not talk about work. And yeah. um, just because we have worked together for a long time and been very close, I think it has worked without too much... Sometimes we refocus and we're like, we should bring more fun in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do That's a it. Skype and we'll have a little dance and then we'll get back to it. That's it. And particularly because I've got a habit of, you know, I really put my blinkers on and I get a bit too serious. You know, whenever people meet us, for instance, I'm the younger one, but everyone either thinks that we're twins or that I'm the older one because I've got, you know, my serious face on. So, <laughs> so Lara brings more of the fun element <laughs> often to those meetings. Um, but, but it works, right? Because oh, it two, works. Two it people does. that, not saying absolutely being fun's bad, but yep. two super serious people, probably not going to be great. No. Two super yeah. you know, frivolous people, probably not going to be great yeah. either. It's That's right. The yang. Well, yeah, it is a balance and, and I find, um, you know, it took a little bit 
it took a while for me to find the right rhythm where I thought, yes, I know what's happening in the business. I feel good about it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know what I've got to do. I know what Lara's doing. Um, And basically what we've kind of rested on right now is, you know, uh, Tuesday's my full-time social good outpost day. And then for at least an hour on every other day, I do work on the business, right. but obviously because I am doing my PhD Study. too, I, I do have to, um, you know, switch tracks at times, but it, it helps basically to have some established rules, but the rest is, you know, as Lara said, it's pretty flexible. I think yeah. you, you just, yeah. we're just very close and we're lucky that we work really well together. So to have it's that relationship absolutely. as sisters and that's business right. partners and at the end of the day, just mates. That's right. Yeah. 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 feel very lucky. Often in, um, interviews with business people you often get like what's the plan what's the three-year plan what's the five-year plan and I personally no disrespect I don't like it because like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing in like the next 30 minutes yep. apart from chatting with you guys but what I do like to know is what are you excited about what's mm. something that might be happening tonight or in two years whatever mm. that might be is there something you know as individuals or as a business that you're you're excited about or a project that you're working on that's in the mm. pipeline that you're that's really kind of you know really exciting you at the moment yeah yeah I think there is I think um well we've hit a few kind of milestones that we've been really excited about recently and I know this will sound really boring but we were thrilled um you know we got a random call one day uh from someone in government saying do you want a tender for this and wow. we put in a tender and we won on our first go which wow. we you know I think um we're really proud of but of course but yeah. one of the other things that we're really excited about is um you know for the last year we've been working with uh a national nonprofit called Global Sisters. Mm-hmm. They work with a lot of women from maybe traditionally marginalised or, um, you know, backgrounds that have been excluded from traditional forms of work. Mm-hmm. And, and they try to equip women who are interested in starting their own business or forming their own sort of financial independence. They take them through a bit of an accelerator or business um, cool. incubator program. And we've been partnering up with them. We did a pilot project um, with the help of Victorian Women's Trust um, to basically run a pile of workshops and one-on-one sessions with their women to take their, you know, fledgling um, business designs and ideas to the next level and give that added layer of professionalism and you know look here's what you've got to remember if you're you know designing social media posts or if you're um, wanting to start a website Um, so we've just wrapped up our pilot program but we're really excited because um, we're about to uh, start working on basically um, looking at what this project looks like going forwards Mm. and uh, forming a ongoing relationship where we can be constantly in a cycle of mentoring you know fledgling women starting their business in this really important aspect which is design because at the end of the day you always need design you know no matter who you are and what stage you're at Um, and what a testament to the pilot like the success mm, of that so they're kind of saying to you now okay well what does this look like on an on that's right. Basis. That's yeah. incredible. So and congratulations been... on the oh, government tender. Yeah. Those things are, oh, Lord. Absolutely. They're not fun documents. <laughs> work they can on. be big. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Um, but I don't know what you're excited about, La. Um, I'm going to have to think about that one. Mm. I am excited about both of those programs mm-hmm. and, and it's allowing me to learn more about different styles of design and government design. Right. Um, very accessible. Um, this is stuff that just 
slightly bigger budget allows mm. you to spend slightly longer time and get those tiny details right. So that's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and when you say accessible, do you what do you mean oh, by that? Yes, I mean. Uh, you really make sure that people with low vision or people using screen reading and assistive technology can access your, their way through your website. Okay. And also people, even colour blindness, sure. a whole heap of things that are about making and also navigational, people who um, make making sure your website maps to really clear and understandable and really common best practice navigation. Mm-hmm. Whole government de- departments spend a lot of time researching this. Yeah. So luckily we have a design system that we can just reference uh, okay. so we know what's the best way to do a menu. Um, yeah. Based on the various levels of ability of the yeah. people that will be visiting that site. And even just ev- anyone so that sure. it looks the same across government. Um, yes. And so that these public websites with such a broad audience are easily accessed by everybody Mm. um and and i am very excited about the global sisters and working with women starting these businesses and i've been doing the one-on-one works with them because it's all been victorian based and i was living in melbourne yeah Yeah. so just working with people who are migrants or who have other other so-called setbacks that prevent them getting into uh, traditional employment, mm. even had a translator for one of the workshops. So it's been a very interesting learning experience, how to teach design to people who don't want to be designers, yes. but they do need just a little something so that they Enough don't to have to... Get them across the line. You know, you don't need to pay somebody. Here are some free resources. Here's some skills just to keep you going with social media, which is almost a must for most people. Uh, yeah, and, and forming some great relationships. So I'm also very excited about that uh, and excited about being able to bring in our associates on a more regular basis. So people who are, are videographers, photographers, um, animators, people who can work with technology to make things much more interactive and going towards interactive storytelling and really immersive experiences for those clients that want to be really memorable and have these almost full body uh, experiences. This can take your technology out of the computer and put it in a room and somebody can walk through it. So cool. So that's, I've always wanted to do that. So yeah. <laughs> always looking I for can see it. Yeah. <laughs> I know people listening yeah. to your face, but it just totally lit up in that last little bit you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Very cool. Well, there's a lot mm-hmm. of good things to be excited about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If yep. people are looking to get in contact with you, if they want to learn a little bit more, they may want some help with some of those things, where's the best place for people to uh, to find you and to get in contact with you? Yes, you can visit our website. That's socialgoodoutpost.com. And we're also on Twitter at socialgoodoz, as in Australia, A-U-S. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yes. And we can pop all that in, in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and chatting to me. I One thing that I like to not do is 
do hardly any research on people that I am going to chat to because I think it allows the conversation for me to actually learn as the listeners are learning about the people that I'm talking to. So as long as I can tell that there's enough there that it kind of makes sense for them to be on the podcast, that's pretty much it. Um, But this has been amazing. There's so much more to the business than what I first had realized. So thank Mm. you so much for both sharing so much um, with the listeners. Um, all the details for uh, the girls' websites will be in, in the website and Twitter will be in the show notes. Um, if you'd like to learn more about them, please jump on and do that. Thank you for tuning into another episode of The Bold uh, Platform. You can find us at theboldplatform.com.au and we are The Bold Platform on Facebook and Instagram. Um, thank you listening and thank you both for coming and chatting to me thank you adrian it's been so lovely sharing our story yeah it's been really special and to all the listeners i hope you you know continue to do all those wonderful things that you want to do and know that there's a community and team behind you who are barracking you on too yeah thanks what a beautiful way to end thank you ladies Mm -hmm.